All right, today's reading is John chapter 9, and this chapter revolves entirely around one episode, the episode in which Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. And there's some noteworthy observations here, so let's consider some of them. Let's think first about um, the the phrase that Jesus makes that the, here, that the that this was done, that the works of God might be displayed. Like I said, there's an interesting exchange between Jesus and his disciples as the chapter opens. John tells us in verse 1 that Jesus noticed a man who had been uh, blind from birth. Uh, the disciples come to Jesus with what to them seemed to be a perfectly legitimate question. They asked him uh, in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. To many of the, uh, of that time, the Pharisees included. You'll see that in verse thirty-four. They believed that there had to be a cause for someone to be born blind. Blindness is viewed as uh, as an affliction and thus must be the consequence of someone's sin. I mean that that that's been an idea that was even present in the Old Testament book of Job. It's unclear how. It could have been this man's sin since he was born this way, so they added the possibility that it could have been his parents who had committed some sin for their son to be born in this afflicted condition. This, like I said, was an age-old belief. Jesus tells his disciples that is not how it works. Uh, to the contrary, Jesus declares that this particular man was born blind not because he had sinned and not because his parents had sinned, but as he puts it in verse 3, that the works of God might be displayed in him. That would be seen in Jesus' healing of the man and restoring of his sight in verses 6 and 7. And in the end, he was believing and worshiping Jesus. Verse 38, God had a good purpose for his affliction. And uh, it was not a punishment of any sort, but an opportunity for the Lord to receive glory through him. This is another example of the reality the Apostle Paul faced with respect to his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. In that case... The Lord, for good and wise reasons, that did not uh, did not take that affliction away from Paul, in contrast to the blind man here in John 9. And the reason the Lord gave Paul for that was simply, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My power is made perfect in your weakness. Our weakness and afflictions are, our, are opportunities for the Lord to display his sufficiency and power in us in ways that would otherwise be impossible. So consider this in your current trial or your next trial. What good purpose does the Lord have for me through this? In John 9, the, the blind man was healed of his affliction and praised God for it. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was not healed of his affliction and he learned to praise God in it. Don't view your hardships necessarily as the hand of judgment from the Lord, but as an opportunity to trust him and praise him for his faithfulness and sufficiency. Finally, or not next, I want to I want to think about uh, the phrase that the the Pharisees say uh, in verse thirty four that this man was born in utter sin. Uh, in the same vein, the Pharisees repeat the mantra later in the chapter that this man who had just been healed of his blindness must have been born in some uniquely severe state of sin to be born in that condition. When the man when the blind man, now healed, tries to instruct the Pharisees regarding what had miraculously happened to them, they tell him in verse 34, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? Of course, 
the biblical truth and reality is that we are all born in utter sin, Romans 5.12, and also uh, that we are born in sin to the same degree. Namely, we are dead in those sins, Ephesians 2.1, as we come into the world. No one is more dead in sin than another. That is nonsense. The, the Pharisees were just as dead in their sins as that man who was born blind. I mean, it's not as if they were wrong when, he, when they tell the blind man, you were born in utter sin. The irony is that they were too. <laughs> Both were equally in need of redemption. One found it that day, and it wasn't the Pharisees. Finally, none are so blind as those who will not see. It's almost humorous as you read the chapter how many times and how many different ways the authorities ask this man the same question. How were you healed from your blindness? The formerly blind man gets a bit perturbed at having to answer the same questions over and over again and even pokes fun at the stubborn blindness of the Pharisees and asks them, do you also want to become his disciples? Verse 27, as if they were asking him these questions out of an interest to believe and follow him. There's a great irony in this chapter. The Pharisees were blinder than the man who actually entered this chapter physically blind. The old saying is, none are so blind as those who will not see. Willful blindness is more blinding than mere ignorance. These Pharisees should have known that one of the major signs of the Messiah coming into the world, according to the Old Testament, uh, was the restoring of sight to the blind. See the prophecies in Isaiah 29.18, 35.5, and 42.7. They were willfully blind to this. And so they peppered this man with the same questions over and over again. And he, fed up with it, tells them, I have told you and you would not listen. Jesus tells the Pharisees in verses 39 to 41 that they are the ones who are blind, not this man whom he had just healed. His physical healing was an outward picture of his inward spiritual healing. When the formerly blind man said, One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This was true in more ways than one. It is so often true that those who think they see things so clearly do not see at all. Jesus repeated in this chapter that he is the light of the world, and it is only as we come to him in repentance and faith that he grants us eyes to see things as they really are. And those are some thoughts from John chapter 9.